Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Well, today we're talking about joy, and this is our scripture. When I think about joy, I think one of my favorite, we've been reading it a lot, but it's my favorite, and I have the microphone. So let's read this today. This is Luke chapter 2. Would you read read this with me? Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Let's read this together. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel assured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that I've... Yeah. I'm I'm working on reading. Here we go. Try again. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. So we're talking about joy. So just in a minute, think about it. We've got kids here today. When you think about joy, what are some of the things of joy of Christmas that kind of resonate with you? I mean, is it it the presents? How many you've been good? You've been good out there this year? You're hoping to get a present under the tree this year? Uh, somebody brought me a present of fresh roasted coffee all day, so we'll just let that speak for my goodness, I guess, for how good that is. Just I, I, I can't wait. So, but moving on to the sermon today, here we go. Uh, some people think about presents, they think about lights, they think about getting together with families. You know, during the COVID season, I think one of the things that I've enjoyed is our ability to get together more, because during COVID, so many times we were separated and we're still being careful, but I've enjoyed getting together, I've enjoyed getting to, getting to see people. I enjoyed getting to go see a cracking game last night. I mean, I, that, it pleased the Lord even though we lost. Um, but we're working on that. Some of the wonderful things. But today we're talking about the message that came from the angels. And one of the, one of the key words in there is they talked about the, the angel that says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. And that joy word was the word that went around the world. And when you think about it, especially in that time when it was spoken to the angels, when it was spoken to people, when it was spoken to everyone around, there was this resonance of great joy. I mean, we, we get a lot of news all the time, but a lot of times we don't really always respond in joy, do we? And a lot of times when we respond, we can respond with suspiciousness. We can respond with, let's wait and see how that goes out. But it says that it was received with great joy. Now, why was it received as great joy? Well, I think to understand why it was received as good news, as joy, you need to think about what was the context, what was the setting that the angels were speaking into? And the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah said it so well that when, that when Isaiah described this time, he described it as a people who were walking in darkness. This is their setting, and it's, and it's really our setting today that whether we know it or not, we are in a setting of darkness. That's why Isaiah said that the people were walking in darkness. And, but it identifies two things, that they were in darkness, but they were still walking. To live this life, we still need to move, we still need to go. There are things we need to do, people we need to see, and and things that need to be, be achieved. But for our time, and for many times, it's, it's described as a time in, that we're walking in darkness. And I don't, have you ever gone through a time, and I think if you've been in Seattle when we get windstorms, have you ever been in your house and all of a sudden the lights go out? Maybe you were binge watching on Netflix and the power went out and you were so afraid in that moment. <laughs> when the lights go out, it's often a scary time for us. When we're driving, I've had lights, they've gone at me when I've, when I've been in my house, they've gone out uh, when I've been driving. Have you ever had that scary experience? You know, when the lights go out, when you're driving, pull over immediately. Um, there's times that the lights have gone out during a service. I was leading worship one time and the lights went out 
And we lit a candle, and it was actually one of our best worship moments. People would say, that was the best time. Everything was shut down. We just sang. But as soon as the light came on in the middle of that darkness, there was an awareness. It's dark. There's a light, and we're singing. There was a hope and a joy that, that came. Light is so important. I mean, I think that's why when I go backpacking, one of the key things, one of the first things I make sure when I go backpacking, I'm spending a night in the woods, I want to make sure I have a light. I have a headlight. I have a light that hangs in my tent. I actually have two headlights that go on. Head, headlight. I don't bring a headlight for my car. It's a headlamp that goes around your head that you go through. I make sure I have extra batteries to go through. I make sure that, I'm, that I've just got everything prepared because if you've ever been in the woods alone at night, you know it can be a scary place and you want to make sure you have a light. Sometimes you have to go to the bathroom at night and you, you need a light to do some of those things, okay? Light is very important. And I think that's why Jesus said, Jesus described himself. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. See, when you recognize the dark, you can easily recognize and appreciate the light that is around us. You know, those who have known hunger have a great appreciation for food. People who have experienced sickness, and many of us have experienced some very difficult times during this season. When you come out of that sickness, we really appreciate our health much more, don't we? When we've been isolated and away from our friends, we've appreciated so much more the friendships that we have. And even some of us, we've lost friendships during this time. I think internationally, the need that we have for friends, the need that we have to connect, the need that we have to be together. That's why we call this series Christmas Together, because we recognize we need to be together because there were times it was very difficult to be together. This is why we need the light, because we've experienced darkness. When Jesus shows up in our life, things are different. Things are different. But as important as joy is, I love how Nehemiah, he takes it one step further than that. And here's what Nehemiah says. He's, that he says that the joy of the Lord, not just joy itself, but the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah said, is actually our strength. See, the joy of the Lord is not just a feeling that comes from the gift or a feeling that comes even by being around friends. But Nehemiah is saying that the joy of the Lord is not just a good feeling. It's not just something that surrounds us, but it is actually strength that we have. And if you've been around church, you've been around, you've probably heard songs through the year. We used to sing a song growing up that I'll save you from now. I, I really, I, I sang my voice out last night at the cracking game, but it was for a good cause. Losing cause, but a good cause. But we've sung these songs. We've, we've shared this verse so many times. But we don't often talk about what Nehemiah was talking about. When Nehemiah talks about the joy of the Lord is our strength, what is he talking about? Because see, when I was a kid, I used to think that the joy, when Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is strength, I thought he was talking about that God gives me joy and that when I feel the joy, that I'm stronger, I'm a better person. The best version of me is a happy version of me because I, I just feel better, I'm nicer to you. Uh, the sad version of me can be difficult to live with sometimes, right, Stephanie? You know, but the joyful version of me is a version that is, is my best version. But, and that's part of it. But Nehemiah, he's actually going beyond that because what he's saying, he's saying that God's joy, the things that make God happy, is actually better for us. The things that make God happy, that God's joy, the Lord's joy, this is the strength for us. When we look at the context of the statement, when we look at when the statement was spoken by the prophet Nehemiah, and this study has been so powerful to me that even though we're going to talk about it for a few minutes today, we're going to do a whole series about this in February because there's so much in there that I want to pull out. But just very quickly today, when we look at when Nehemiah spoke this, these words were spoken to the children of Israel, that's God's people, after they had returned from exile. 
It was spoken after a season when they were separated from God. And these words, in these words, God is now, he's renewing them in order to carry out what he had previously promised to Abraham. But in this as well, these words are spoken because it was the realization that to walk in the promises of God, it means that we need to be walking with God. God's promises are accompanied by walking with God. Following his ways. Allowing God's law to resonate with us and living our lives in a way are faithful to him. There's, a, there's an alignment principle there. And Nehemiah spoke these words because the people that they were spoken to previously, they were listening to the law. They were reading the law to these people. It was being read, and the people began to be overcome. Think that they're coming out of exile. They're trying to pull them back together. They're trying to align their lives now with, with, with the word of the Lord, with the law to walk in his promises. And as they hear these law, as they hear these things, they were becoming overcome with condemnation, and they began to weep. Have you ever been there? When there's a path that you want to go in, but when you see the price of it, you become overwhelmed. And you say, there's no way that I could do that. And you want it so bad, but it actually moves you to, to weep. It was a weep that recognized that their lives were out of alignment with God. But I love Nehemiah. As any true leader and any great leader that we'll be talking about in February, Nehemiah steps in, and here's what he says in the middle of this. The law was read. They were weeping because they didn't know, they were recognizing we've not been walking in this way. But here's what he says. He says, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. Nehemiah said, this is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. And then he says this word, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. So he's saying, yes, all these things are here, but go forward. See what Nehemiah is pointing to, he's pointing to the true source of our joy in God. And he's saying that our joy is found in what makes God happy. And what makes God happy is reconciliation with him. Nothing makes God happier than when the one that is lost is found and reconciled to him. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. Look at these words of Jesus from Luke 15, 7. In Luke 15, 7, Jesus shares with everyone, he says, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And then to make sure that no one misses this, Jesus goes on and he tells three parables. He tells the parable about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and he tells the parable about the prodigal son because he wants to make sure that everyone knows that we don't miss about how much joy is in heaven, how much joy God experiences when the one is found. I mean, we do the same thing, don't we? We look around and go, man, isn't this great who's here today? But as we gather here today, my heart is for the one person who's lonely out there. My heart is for the one who's marginalized out there. My heart is for the person crossing the street and going, I don't think Shoreline Community Church would ever welcome me. I'm different than them. And then the other side of that, when that person walks in, and we've had that happen, we've been praying, Lord, lead us, help us to love. That's why we're doing compassion boxes, to build these bridges and say that everyone is welcome. Because some people look and say we're perfect. And I say all the time, no, we're the weirdest bunch of freaks in Seattle right here. <laughs> Lovingly, I'm one of you. But we're all different, aren't we? Because that's who God is. Every nation, every tribe, every color, every language. It all reflects who God is, the Imago Dei. Everything goes back to our design. 
That's why nothing brings God more joy than like we experienced. We had, we had a young man. I say he's young. He was my age. He came forward and gave his life to Christ a few weeks ago. And we're walking with him and what it means to follow Jesus. Do you know how much joy happens in heaven? Do you know how much joy happens in my heart when that happens? So I love all of you, and I'm here to love you and support you and be with you. But God is coming to speak to us, to feed us, to show us, not just so that we can sit here and say, isn't this good? But now he's saying, now go. Go fulfill my joy. I want everyone to experience what you're experiencing and more. I want everyone to feel with that love and that knowledge. See, it's the truth that our joy, our true joy, is connected to God's joy. That's why so many times when we try to get happy in our own ways, when we try to step outside of God and, and we keep trying it, we find that happiness is fleeting. You know, I'll never forget, my, I say my little sister, I have five sisters, they're all older than me, but I've, I, I say little because now I'm, I'm almost a foot taller than she is. She wanted a pogo stick. Anyone know what a pogo stick is? I think it's one of the greatest inventions ever. And so she asked for this pogo stick. I'm not going to do a demonstration, okay? We've had enough broken bones this year. As we walk, <laughs> but as we walked through, she wanted a pogo stick so bad. And, you know, she asked my mom and my dad. And, and that was back in the days. Anybody remember the Sears catalogs? And you go out, right? And you circle it. Now we have Amazon favorite list, and you build your list going in, right? But back in the day, you had a, you had a Sears catalog, and you circled it. Well, she circled a pogo stick. And back then, moms and dads, they couldn't go, especially where I lived, you couldn't go out last minute. You had to go out months in advance to order it because you had to actually, you had, you, had, you had to call in, and you had to give them the number. And, and then you had to you know, either go in and pay a check or they had a big on a big credit card machine you know, and all that kind of stuff. And, and going through, you had to really plan. And so on Christmas Day, she got up and she opened a pogo stick. And yeah, she was a good girl. I didn't think so at the time, but she really was. You know, little brothers can be punks, right? How many are like, yes, they can. Okay. <laughs> she got this pogo stick, but... <laughs> The fateful moment in our family's history, what happened is, as she was about to try it, my dad said, no, 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 let me show you how this thing works. <laughs> you know, you know what happened, right? He's like, let me show you how this thing works. And so my dad, you know, uh, who was larger than a little girl, <laughs> gets on this little girl pogo stick, and with the first jump, the whole thing bends in half. Beyond repair, I know, I, it's, it's, it's sad, yeah. She still loves my dad, she's doing well, don't worry. How long did her joy last? That long. Months and months of preparation, credit card machines, all kinds of stuff happening, you know, mail, everything happening to get through there, and for her, her to have just literally two minutes of joy. So is our joy found in a pogo stick today, my friends? No, it's not. But you know, so many times we put our joy in things as fragile as a pogo stick. We put it in our job. We put it in, I love relationships. But relationships can be tenuous. Relationships take a lot of work, and you need to work on them. But have you ever had a friend leave you? Have you ever been hurt? We all have. What Nehemiah is pointing to, and all those things we work out, we develop them together. We talked about love last week, and love means we work together. Love means we lean into that friction. But what Nehemiah is saying, that as we work those things out, you need to make sure that your center of joy 
is not found in yourself. Your center of joy is not found in other people. It's not found in things. It's found in what makes God happy. And nothing makes God happier than reconciliation. And if you've ever been a part of that, if you've ever loved someone and you've tried to bring to them the greatest gift, that gift of knowing God, of of the Spirit of God being alive in you, and you've seen them just light up with the love of Christ, you know there is no greater joy than that. There is no greater joy than that. That is where our strength comes from. All of our strength is connected to that. The joy of the Lord. And it's so strong that even when we look at the Bible, that joy is often referenced in the middle of trials. Have you seen that? What does James say? Consider it all joy when you go through trials, my friends. Paul talked about joy in the middle of trial in Romans 5. And Jesus, Hebrew, writer of Hebrews referenced this about Jesus, saying that Jesus endured the pain of the cross because of the joy that was set before him. Through this difficult season, I've called so many, so many people that we call saints of the church, people that they've been here for a long time, they've been the pillars, and they've gone through a difficult time, and I call them and say, hey, this is Dwayne, how are you doing? And they say, I'm doing great, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great, but you just went through this great difficulty, whatever it may be. For some, it was COVID. For some, it was cancer. They were on their deathbed. On their deathbed, they're looking at me, and they're saying, are you okay? I'm I'm good. The Lord has me. I trust the Lord. He's walking with me in this. And it would be wrong at that moment as a pastor to say, why do you have hope? (laughs) But inside, I'm just, it's so amazing to see in the middle of that, they're going, my joy is in the Lord. That even in that moment, they're saying, how are you? How's the church doing? Are there people coming to Christ? How's Stephanie? How's your kids? My care call to them turns in their care call to me. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is their strength. They're thinking about that second advent, that my home is in heaven, someday I'm going to go there. Yes, I wish I wasn't going through these things. Yes, I wish I didn't have it. And it doesn't mean that we can't have those moments of saying, dear God, why? But when you look to people decade after decade after decade, strength after strength after strength, they're going, God has me, whether I see it or not. He has my today. He has my tomorrow. He has every future in front of me. It's that joy of the Lord is our strength. And you know, as, as we wrap this thing up and as we get towards baptism today, one last thing that I want to kind of leave you with in this is that as we think about this and as we think about so many times that this type, this type of joy, the strongest joy, we know that joy doesn't mean just a feeling, that it's, it's something deeper and that, and that often it's in the middle of pain that we find this. And we'll see in James that even our strength is through pain, through leaning into this joy, through pain. It brings us to the question of why do we have the Spirit's pain? Why is it so oftentimes that we have to go through these things? And why do so many of the authors of the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, share this? Well, I I think for application, we often recognize that the initial response to most medicine is often pain, isn't it? Have you ever brought a child to the doctor's office to get a needle? Even more horrific, have you ever brought a child to to a dentist who was getting a needle in their mouth for the first time? Very difficult, very painful. But what happens if the dentist, which we have a wonderful dentist here deck today, (laughs) What happens if the dentist doesn't put the medicine in? 
What happens if the dentist doesn't go, well, this is a little bit of pain right now, but it's going to save you a lot of pain later. Isn't that true? When I go to the dentist, you know what one of the first things I ask for? Can I have a needle, please? <laughs> Can you give me some medicine? Can you bring some health to me? This is what the writer is talking about. This is what Jesus was talking about. When we talk about the joy of the Lord is our strength coming through, this aspect of us often in pain because there are things that need to be cleansed in our lives. There's things that need to be cleansed in those around us. And they'll, they'll always say, pain is momentary. Pain is brief. It is a but for a season. But there's the strength that comes up in the middle of everything. And the joy, it always comes from reconciliation. When I lean into that, I'm growing stronger in my walk with God. When I walk in those ways, those around me see, how do you have joy? How do you have hope? It's in the Lord. Reconciliation takes place. One person comes in. We have people. So many during the season that they've been reconciled to the Lord. Some for the first time. Some it's been a coming back to the Lord. As we head into this season, my prayer for all of us is that we would lay hold of this that the joy of the Lord, which is that reconciliation, our lives to his, reconciliation to others. What's the evidence of our love for God? It's our love for others. The Bible even says, if you say that you love God, but you don't love others, there's really no love in your heart. That's why we do all these things. Because all of it leans into the joy of the Lord as our strength. Amen? Amen, amen. Just a, we don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word. Here's just a couple of questions to ask ourselves as we, as we head towards baptism, which is a, what a wonderful picture of reconciliation. But as you're sitting here, here today, and Stephanie, you can go ahead and start playing. Are there any areas in your life right now where joy is being challenged? And you may want to close your eyes and say, Lord, speak to me. Are there any areas in my life where, boy, I hear about joy, I sing about joy, the kids sing about joy, I felt joy when they were up here, but... Where is joy being challenged in your life right now? Is it in a relationship? Is it in provision? Are there things of this life, the, the cares of this world, they're just coming in to steal your joy? And I want you to identify that just even right now here in the presence of the Lord as the Holy Spirit is moving. And just, just speak that to the Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm being challenged. I hear about joy, but I'm being challenged because of this. It's a broken relationship. It's a whatever it may be. And then as you look at that, and as a relationship, I say, you know, is, is, my, is my joy, is it connected to God's joy? What are the things that please him? Or am I focused on myself, pleasing my flesh? Now, this came out of my personal prayer time. Because I can say with so much certainty that when there are so many things that have challenged my joy, all of us, we all walk in, in, a, in a challenging dark world. And boy, I, I can say with certainty that in every situation the Lord brings me back to this. Dwayne, you're, you're putting your joy in yourself, you're putting it in pleasing your flesh, you're putting it in so many other things instead of the joy of the Lord. And as I align my life back to that and say, Lord, Align me with you. I know the joy, the things that make you happy, which is that reconciliation of my heart, my mind, of your will and your ways. And as I allow you to flow through, to be reconciled to those around me, which is tough. 
as I go out, as the young adults go out with these boxes and share them, do you have any idea how much joy they're going to experience in that? We have people coming in, giving to these boxes because they knew these were seeds of people being reconciled to God. They came in joyfully. They said, do you need anything else? Do you need more gloves? Do you need this? I want to make sure people know that Jesus loves them. And if it's a, if it's a pair of gloves, if it's, if it's food, whatever it is, there's joy in that because it leads to reconciliation to God, which is the greatest thing that makes him happy. Lord, I speak to us. Speak. We're, your servants are listening. Can we pray that together? Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Speak to us, Lord, in this season. Lord, reveal to us the areas that we're being challenged in our joy. But then, Lord, that next step, Lord, show us where our lives need to come into alignment with our true source of joy, the strength of our joy, which is in what makes you happy, which is being reconciled to you. Lord, help us in this season. Lord, if... if if there's one person here today that doesn't know you, I pray they would run to you. They would confess you as their Savior and Lord and follow you. Lord, I pray that you would put that one in all of our hearts that we need to be reaching out to. Maybe the person that's difficult to reach out to. And that we would find that strength of knowing you and walking you. We pray in your name. Amen.